Hi, this is Dion Baig from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Are you someone who has no idea that they can be heard? Has brilliant ideas and wants to get them out there? Has a podcast but can't keep up with the work or just wants to focus on things that matter? Then Podcast Engineers is your gateway to get your voice heard. They don't just edit your podcast. They enhance your listeners' experience. You simply do what you do best. That is to record and they do the rest. You can find them at podcastengineers.com. Rob and I have been using Podcast Engineers to help make our show sound great. Send them an email to get an episode edited free and a discounted plan. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 74. Hello and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake and here with me is Sandy McKay. Hello. How's uh, everything going today, Rob? Everything's going great today. Um, we're just going to record a quick little intro for the interview that I did with Brad Appleby, the planner from Peterborough, which is a town sort of just north of Toronto, about you know an hour or so away. But it's been a really good market for us around here. But we did a really interesting interview with him. Unfortunately, you couldn't be there. But um, we talked more about how that specific municipality handled the... Uh, bylaw allowing second suites throughout the entire city where you know before that they only allowed them in the r2 zones so it was really interesting to hear just his take on how that municipality handled that uh undertaking which is pretty big you know it's a daunting task it took them you know two or three years to get everything in order and they've just started allowing second suites across the city but it's been a really great market for us and uh, yeah. so he goes through all of that stuff, and it just was a it was a great interview. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. So and maybe just just quickly before we get into it, as always, remind everyone to get over to our websites, breakthroughreipodcast.ca, download our free report, the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate, and get on our mailing list, get updates on upcoming events and things like that. And uh, and you can also download every episode, comment on the episodes, and uh, run through our whole. Uh, whole list of, of shows we've ever done on there. So go over to our site there and, and do all that. Breakthrough REI podcast.ca. And while you're there, Sandy, you can also uh, click on the show notes and get everybody's uh, info. Exactly. Yeah. As well, go over to iTunes and check us out from there. Leave us a rating and review. We would really, really appreciate that. And uh, I know Sandy's got to go. He just stopped by to record the intro with me and my stomach's growling. So let's get into the interview. So today our guest is Brad Appleby, who is the planner of subdivision control and special projects for the city of Peterborough. 
And uh, I'm very excited to have Brad on because the town has recently made some major amendments to their planning act to allow second suites uh, citywide, uh, as many other municipalities have already done in accordance with the Strong Communities Through Affordable Housing Act. So thank you for being here with us today, Brad. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So maybe you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm a planner with City here in Peterborough. I've been here for about 10 years or so. And uh, normally my day-to-day job here is, is more focused on new uh, new subdivisions and doing some policy planning work and stuff like that. And uh, the whole secondary suites initiative was something that kind of really came about out of uh, sort of my work dealing with subdivisions and you know, dealing with developers who are interested in uh, having the flexibility for second units or accessory apartments in their developments. And so that was kind of what started me into this. But my my normal role is the subdivision guy. (laughs) Okay. And what about you yourself? You got a family? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Family. We live up here in Peterborough. Four kids keep me busy and yeah, all different age ranges. So yeah. (laughs) Wow. Up here. Four kids. Yep. Yep. It's hard for me to handle too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I question my sanity, but at the end of the day, it's all good. So I guess let's talk a little bit about the market up there first. Do you have any insights on the state of the rental market in Peterborough? I know it's uh, extremely tight. Uh, I don't know what our average market rents are right now, but um, in terms of vacancy rates, uh, I know that we're really, really tight, hovering around 1% or just under 1% vacancy. I know in speaking with our housing division staff, they tell me there's a real demand out there for smaller rental units, bachelor, uh, one, two bedroom type units. There seems to be a real lack of that in the community. And I know also speaking through our housing division that we have uh, a fairly significant uh, wait list for people who are trying to get housing assistance through the city as well. Yeah, I've noticed the same thing. And, you know, I would go so far as to say that the rents are almost identical there in Peterborough as they are here in Oshawa. So it's a great place as far as from an investment standpoint where the purchase prices are significantly lower. They haven't quite caught up yet with the um, the GTA market, but the rents are identical. So. It uh, makes for, and as well with the two schools up there, it really does make for, um, you know, a lot of different opportunities. Yeah, there's certainly um, a demand for, you know, among students for accommodation. We hear hear stories, you know, all the time, students who are looking for a place to live when they get, when they get here. Mm-hmm. What are some of the key economic drivers for the city? Peterborough is an interesting town. I mean, you know, it's. I think it probably has a similar history to, to like Oshawa being a primarily um, manufacturing industrial type town over the years, but it's been changing over the last 30 years or so. A lot of our factories have shut down and the factories that are left for the most part are much smaller than, than what we used to have here. So a lot of, I think what you see in terms of driving jobs here in town now are focused on what I would call sort of government-type sector jobs. So obviously the city is a major employer. 
two post-secondary uh, institutions with uh, Trent University and, and Sir Sanford Fleming College. And we have a major hospital here that was uh, opened in the last 10 years, consolidating two smaller hospitals. You've got a lot of sort of small industrial facilities in the city south end along Highway 115. And then um, some of the really interesting stuff that's going on right now uh, from an economic point of view, we've, we've, the city's invested a significant amount into our airport, which is technically just outside the city. It's just at the south edge of town. And so we, we expanded our runway uh, a few years back. We have the longest runway basically between Toronto and uh, Ottawa. So that's really generated a lot of investment and business growth around the airport. There. And the School of uh, Aviation for Seneca College is there too. Yeah, yep. Seneca College <clears throat> moved their flight school from Buttonville Airport up to Peterborough. Uh, they built a, they've got a brand new building out there. It's uh, quite beautiful. So yeah, there's students there. We've got uh, a couple of businesses out at the airport that specialize in um, sort of repairing and refurbishing airplanes. Mm-hmm. and uh, sort of remodeling them for uh, a lot of private jets, folks from around the world who will send their planes here to, to get fixed up. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things happening at the airport. And then up at Trent University, the city's partnering with Trent University to create a uh, essentially an industrial park or a business park up there focused on providing a space for businesses to, to locate and grow that have... Uh, sort of an affinity towards the research functions that are happening at Trent University uh, itself. Uh, and so there's one confirmed, well, one particular business that started by a former student at Trent, um, and he's kind of growing leaps and bounds over the last few years. And he's looking to locate a sizable facility up there in uh, sort of water purification technology. So there's a few interesting things going on right now. Oh, and uh, when you were talking about the airport, I had an opportunity to go and tour that Seneca facility, and it is beautiful. I think it just opened like four years ago or something like that, but saw that facility, which is top-notch, and then, of course, all the planes that were in to be refurbished were all sitting out around, so that was pretty cool, too. Some really big planes in there. Yeah, they can get some really big ones. The cargo planes from like the Air Force Base in Trenton, Mm -hmm. uh, they can come up and land here. There have been some chartered commercial flights come out of here uh, to take uh, folks to different uh, destinations for, for vacation trips. So, yeah, it's the runway expansion has really opened up our airport to uh, a much wider variety of planes that can land here. So now you told me that, you know, you were, you were key in establishing these um, new regulations for adding second suites in Peterborough. But um, you said it took a little bit longer than what you had expected. We'll get into the new regulations in a minute, but because you got busy in your initial role, I guess, with the uh, subdivision planning and uh, development. So, and I know that there were some interesting things going on in there in the subdivision development as well. Did you want to tell us about that? Sure. Yeah, we've got a few major developments, uh, major for Peterborough anyhow, developments on the go uh, subdivision-wise. In the northwest part of town, we have an area that we call Lily Lake that has a couple subdivision plans 
that uh, have a draft approval right now, uh, meaning they're approved in principle, and combined they represent about 2,200 units. And then we're actually going to be taking another site forward to council uh, on um, August uh, Monday, August 27th, for consideration. That'll be about 700 units just off of Television Road on the city's east side, which is a really neat location for anyone who has to commute from Peterborough to, say, the GTA, because it's, it's basically a stone's throw from Highway 115. Mm-hmm. So it's a really neat location, and it's right next door to the uh, Peterborough lift lock. But yeah, you know, thinking about the secondary suites initiative, I kind of started into that probably around 2015 and, uh, you know, working away at it with uh, other staff internally here, but uh, kind of leading the charge on it. And you're right, it it took a a bit longer than anticipated. And and part of that is because of my day-to-day responsibilities as, as a subdivision planner, still have to to carry on mm-hmm. and uh, when you get development applications that have been filed there are legislative timelines around which you know how fast you have to deal with those applications and so i think if you ask many municipal planners you'll find that development applications often take precedent over city driven policy initiatives unless you have the luxury of having Sort of a separate uh, department of planners who deal just with policy matters, but we don't have that luxury here. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's what we're really here to talk about is the second suites, because I think it's going to be an amazing opportunity for, I mean, homeowners and investors, just that this is a um, a time and sort of an area as well uh, in Peterborough of tremendous growth, I think, and um, just an awesome way for people there to force some appreciation in their properties by adding these legal second suites. And now, so am I right that now as of June 26th of 2018, the city, the whole entire city is basically open to second suites with some caveats, with some requirements that are property specific. Yeah, yes. What we did was we changed our planning, sort of our planning rules that relate to um, secondary suites. So we amended our official plan to provide more supportive language for secondary suites. And then we went in and changed our zoning bylaw around to allow, at least provide the option for secondary suites. Not every property is going to qualify for it, but we wanted to make it sort of as flexible as possible. We didn't want to pick and choose neighborhoods in terms of which one might be eligible for suites and which one isn't. We wanted to just keep it uh, broad and and really following sort of the advice that uh, the province has given uh, municipalities on this issue and trying to be as permissive as possible. So our approach was to basically say that a suite could be permitted in any single detached house, semi-detached house, or townhouse, uh, as long as that house was permitted use in a residential zoning district, and as long as that property is not in the floodplain. Those are the kind of the two biggest caveats. So some parts of town, we have houses in open space districts, and some parts of town, we have houses in commercial districts. 
those ones wouldn't necessarily qualify, but the majority of housing in the city will qualify or could, you know, potentially qualify. Now, I should actually add one more caveat. Uh, for anyone who's not familiar with Peterborough and the way our zoning is set up, we have a few areas that we have annexed from our neighboring townships over the last 20 years, and they're all kind of around the edge of town. Most of those areas haven't been developed yet residentially, so most of those areas still have zoning on them that we inherited from the neighboring township. Uh, they haven't been brought into the city's zoning bylaw regulations. So the secondary suite stuff that we have passed does not apply to those areas, but as those areas develop, they will get rezoned and will be brought into the city zoning bylaw, and then the secondary suites would apply at that time. Oh, that's interesting. So these are more sort of probably newer subdivisions on the outskirts of town? Well, yeah, what you would find, like any of the newer subdivisions that are in the city, most of them are being built on land that was annexed within the last 20 years. So every time we approve a subdivision, those subdivisions, the land that those subdivisions are built on gets rezoned and gets incorporated so there are certain parts of town that have zoning on them that we inherited from our neighboring townships. Mm-hmm. For the most part, those are rural areas. They're undeveloped areas. Most of our subdivisions are built on land that was annexed from, from neighboring townships. But every time we approve a subdivision, we would also put the zoning in place to roll that subdivision land into our city zoning bylaws. So the secondary suites... Uh, initiative will apply to the new subdivisions as well. Uh, it just might not apply to the rural areas around those subdivisions. Do you think it's important to allow the second suites in Peterborough? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, you know, there's a real need for rental housing, real need for a diversity in the housing stock. Not everyone needs a single attached house. Some people may need help, you know, maybe they own a single attached house, but they need help carrying the mortgage. And so they may look to supplement their income a little bit with a rental. Some people may want to use this as a means of, you know, creating a space to care for, you know, maybe adult children or aging parents, that kind of thing. There's a whole host of reasons why these apartments are a good thing. And then from a planning point of view, you know, it also helps us because it allows the municipality to introduce people back into, you know, good housing stock and make better use of existing infrastructure rather than promoting the need for more and more outward growth. So there are a number of benefits to this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've noticed just from talking to people in town that the community is very aware of the shortage of housing in town. You can talk to anybody and they they know about the rental market, they know about the real estate resale market. They're very aware. Yeah, and you know, we're, we're at an interesting time at this very moment here in Peterborough because there isn't a whole lot of new housing being built at the moment. And I mentioned earlier how we have some major subdivisions that are on the go. But realistically, it might be a couple years before we see any houses being built in those developments. Mm -hmm. And the subdivisions that we do have active construction in right now are almost all 
built out except for the one subdivision off of Shimon Road in the north end of town. But most of the other developments are almost fully built out. So there's actually very little inventory of building lots in the city right now. So you've got low vacancy rates. We've seen our, our housing prices increasing here as well. You've got very little availability of sort of new housing construction as well. So it's a kind of a confluence of factors, if you will, that makes this a really opportune time to uh, promote secondary suites. You know what, Sandy? Most property investors are really good at finding the right deal and negotiating a good price. However, even longtime investors would tell you that they have faced significant losses when overlooking some of the pitfalls that pop up unexpectedly. I know I have, um, when everything seems to be going so well. Vandalism by tenants, flood damage, slip and fall lawsuits are only some of the grave issues that investors must protect themselves from, or else they may find themselves digging deep into their pockets to repair damaged property, replace rental income, or even defend themselves in a legal case. For peace of mind and to protect your property, we recommend our listeners to contact their insurance broker to review their policy, or we know a great guy, an experienced and former guest on our show, on The Insurance Guy. You can reach him at theinsurers.ca and let him know Robin Sandy sent you. That's theinsurers.ca. And you did mention that they were going to allow them in townhouses, which is something quite different than a lot of the municipalities that I've been active in. Like, how would a townhouse second suite work? So, I mean, a townhouse second suite, I've seen them purpose-built in the past. Uh, A townhouse second suite may work, you know, if you finish, say, the basement space and you have some kind of a entrance, maybe a separate entrance to the outside, or some kind of a common vestibule and then entrance down. The real issue that I think we'll find with townhouses is whether you can get the necessary parking mm-hmm. for them. Certainly, if you have a what I consider like a townhouse complex, you know, with with a private parking lot and uh, common parking area, that kind of stuff, there's probably more flexibility. In a site like that, subject to, you know, if it's a condominium, subject to condo board approval, to putting a secondary suite in, then say if you have a freehold street fronting town, those ones might be a little bit trickier to put them in because you only have so much lot width mm-hmm. to work with in terms of accommodating parking. Now, if you're on an end unit and you have a, a wider <clears throat> lot, then maybe you can accommodate additional parking. Mm-hmm. I guess we should maybe explain how the city of Peterborough would define a second suite. Sure. So the second suite is basically it's um, a separate living unit, if you will, with its own cooking, cleaning, sleeping facilities. That would be, it could be either within an existing dwelling unit or in a building that is accessory to an existing dwelling unit. So we we provide the flexibility here not only for you to, say, create a basement apartment, as an example, but maybe, you know, if you didn't want to put one in your basement, you would also have the flexibility potentially to put one out, say, in the backyard or the side yard if your lot's large enough 
in a detached uh, accessory building as well. And you guys have limited the second suites to two bedrooms. We've limited them to, to two bedrooms, and we've limited the size of them in a couple different ways. So the size of a secondary suite in general can't be – or it must be smaller than the main dwelling unit. So, you know, if you have a, you know, a bungalow and you want to finish the basement as an apartment, you know, as long as that basement apartment's at least – you know, it could be even just one square foot smaller than the, the main unit on the main floor, but it has to be smaller. Thinking about units in, say, in the backyard in a detached building, not only does the floor space have to be smaller than the main unit that's in the house, but there are also size limits on that building as well relative to the size of your yard. So a detached accessory building can't be any larger than 10% of your building lot. And then combine that with actually minimum unit sizes. So the zoning does have a minimum unit size for these suites, which is about 300 square feet. Okay. That's quite a small space to allow second suites in. So now, which is great, I mean, it really opens up the possibilities. When you say that the secondary suite needs to be smaller than the main, just by even one square foot. So I guess the utility room would take care of that or yep, could, could potentially take care of that? Yeah. Okay. What are some of the other key elements in the property that will determine whether or not a second suite can be added? So I mentioned at the outset about flooding. So, you know, if, if someone's interested in, in putting a suite in, we would want to look to see if it's subject to floodplain you can confirm that with the concert, the local conservation authority, which is the Otonabe Region Conservation Authority. We do have mapping in-house as staff that we can refer to, but uh, they would have sort of the most accurate mapping. The other thing that I think would be a, a real defining factor is, is parking. We haven't really touched on that yet, but maybe we'll we'll get into that. So. The way we've treated parking is that if you're – our city, from a parking point of view, is, is divided into three zones. We have uh, a zone that's focused right on our downtown core. We call it Area 1. We have a zone that is sort of the area just around the periphery of the downtown that we call Area 2. And then we have everything else, which is Area 3. And so right in the downtown – what the bylaw indicates is that no additional parking is needed for the secondary suite, but you do have to have the parking for the main dwelling unit. And in most cases, that would be one parking space required, and that parking space would have to be on the property. In Area 2 and Area 3, we're suggesting, or the bylaw indicates that one parking space would be required for the secondary suite in addition to the parking that is required for the main dwelling. So in area two, if you have a single detached house and you add a suite to it, you would need a total of two spaces on the property. And in area three, you would need a total of three parking spaces on the property. Is there somewhere yep. where, where we can see a map of the zones or areas that you were talking about? I will search that and maybe we can follow up towards the end of the interview as to where that is. I know I have a handy sort of version that I've created. 
I believe you can find it within our zoning bylaw text that is online, but we may have other maps as well that are a little more accessible. Than okay. Any info that you have, what check. we'll do is we'll just attach it to the um, show notes for this okay. episode, and then everyone will be able to see it. Because I'd be Perfect. interested myself to, to see exactly where the areas are, because I was under the impression that anywhere outside of downtown required three, but you're saying some only require two parking. And yeah, then, yeah. The immediate area surrounding downtown, I mean, they're, they're almost in downtown, but it's just outside of our commercial core could have a total of two parking spaces on the lot rather than three. So yeah, there's three different zones that we're okay. dealing with. Now, the majority of the community would be within area three. And I think in that area, finding space to have three properly sized parking spaces could become a problem for some lots. So if your lot is, say, 30 feet wide and the house has been pushed forward on the lot such that there's no way to widen your driveway, right. then you may be stuck with, you know, at most two parking spaces on that lot, which would be presumably uh, one space in a garage and one space in a single car driveway. Right. But uh, you don't necessarily, so you're saying that. that's if it blocks the side of the driveway because Another thing, too, is you're allowing three spots in tandem. They don't have to be side-by-side at all, right? Yep. Our bylaw, for the purpose of making it easier to put secondary suites in, we will allow the parking in tandem. The one thing that we are a little sticky on is people widening their driveways. Mm -hmm. So our zoning bylaw currently limits driveway width based on the width of the lot. So if your lot is less than nine meters wide, then you can only have a three meter wide driveway at your property line. If your lot is nine meters or greater, then you could have a six meter wide driveway at your property line. Okay. Now, a six meter wide driveway is a two cars side by side, yep. which is good. But a three meter wide driveway would just, you know, typically handle a single car unless you have the depth, you know, on the lot to be able to park cars in tandem. All right. Well, that works out. So you don't actually have any frontage requirement at all. Like Oshawa has, um, they want a 50% green space in the front yard. There's nothing right. like that there. No, we haven't done that here. Now, I will say that Separate from the secondary suites initiative, the city of Peterborough is looking at its it is looking at its parking regulations, its driveway regulations. We had taken a proposal to council in 2017 to look at changing some of the rules around that, and that uh, I think it got kicked back to staff. It never got approved. I think they wanted us to look into some issues, and so there is you know. Just for you know, for the listeners, there is some work kind of happening in the background right now around that. If you like, what I can do is send you a link to the report that did go to council so you can get some background around the issues and what the thoughts were at the time. But as of the moment, it's kind of still in process, and, and I don't know when it may go back to council. Okay, so... 
as of right now, it's been just under two months where they've been taking applications for yep. second suites. Do you happen to know how many have been put in? I don't know how many have been put in. I do know that there has been a lot of interest. Yep. There are a number of people who've been consulting with our building division uh, on getting building permits to put in suites and asking about what they have to do to legalize existing suites, that kind of stuff. But in terms of actual numbers, I'm not sure. Do you have any insight on legalizing existing suites? So there's a few different ways that you can go about that. Depend, and part of it depends on the age of the suite. So if you know that the suite was in existence as of November 16, 1995, if you can prove that it was in place then, there was provincial legislation in effect at the time that basically grandfathered those units. And so you may find that if you're able to prove that the unit existed then, then you may be able to legalize a unit through that process, basically by demonstrating to the city that you can prove that it was there and and passing fire and electrical inspection. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, the other main way to do it would be to go through the process of trying to qualify the unit under the, the new secondary suites regulations if there's an existing unit there which would really mean having to obtain a building permit for that suite, going through the you know the inspection process associated with the building permit, making sure that you're complying with the zoning regulations, that kind of stuff. There are some instances that you know now that this has been in effect for a couple of months, we are getting you know different phone calls, people with different scenarios that you know maybe weren't necessarily contemplated at the outset, but you can see how they fit into the system now. So sometimes, you know, one one person had called in and they had a house that was legally built as a duplex years ago, and then the zoning had changed on them to no longer allow a duplex, (laughs) but the house continued to be used as a duplex, right? And that's actually a fairly common thing uh, for that to happen. So what we would call that house is legal non-conforming, meaning it was legal when it was built and then the zoning changed to no longer allow that use. But when that happens, the Planning Act has provisions in it to allow the use to continue Mm -hmm. uh, as long as it continues continuously. But here's the thing, something like that happens and then if the owner doesn't have a record of that, but yet maybe they were, maybe they, I don't know, I guess they could, an affidavit really is what it comes down to most of the time. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I haven't seen anyone come in yet to try and show that the duplex was legally built, that they could demonstrate that it was legally built. Cause it's one thing for it to be in place, you know, to have been in place and to, show that it was there. It's another thing to show that it was legal when it was built. It's really mm-hmm. you'd need to, you know, pull out a like a building permit or something like that to show that it was all legitimate when it was constructed. Mm-hmm. And I mean it gets a regard- pretty difficult thing to do. I mean I guess regardless of when a unit was built, let's say it was built after ninety five, uh, yep. the process is still gonna be a lot easier to get that thing like to register that apartment. 
because now you really it might come down to most likely pulling off down the ceilings and putting in the um, the fire separation and whatever other things need to be met. I could see the one major thing that might get in the way of something like that would be ceiling height as well. Yeah. So I think, you know, if a unit was built after 1995 and it it was done without a permit, then you have the ability to go through, again, the, the process that we've created here, basically by allowing these units to the zoning bylaw, you could come in, you know, to our building division, you could file a building permit application to basically have that apartment recognized. You would be subject to a building code review. You may have to do some renovations to ensure you're meeting building code, but it's a whole lot better than what we had in the past because in the past, not only did you have to meet, you know, building code if you're trying to build something new, but you also had to usually get your land use planning approvals sort of on a case-by-case basis, right? So people would have to file an application with the city to change the zoning on their property. You know, and through that process, notice would go to all the neighbors. The decision would have to be made by council. Mm-hmm. Quite often, all the neighbors would come out and they would, uh, you know, they would protest, that kind of thing. So this eliminates what the city has done right now is eliminated basically that public process of, of having to rezone a property on a case-by-case basis and, and continually go to council for zoning bylaw decisions. Are there any other requirements that we haven't touched on? I mean, we touched on fire separation. I guess anything that falls under the Ontario Building Code is all the same, but is there anything outside of that as far as city requirements go? So there is one kind of unique feature in our zoning bylaw that is it touches on issues in the building code but I haven't seen it in any other municipal zoning bylaws and it's a, um, a provision that requires a secondary suite to be located in such a way that a fire access can be provided and really what it means is that the entrance to a secondary suite can't exceed 90 meters distance from a fire hydrant. Now, the zoning provides flexibility for the fire department and our chief building official to accept alternative measures if for some reason the front door of a secondary suite is further away than 90 meters, then they would look at alternatives and and that could, you know, it might mean something like interconnected smoke alarms or if the situation is extreme enough, maybe sprinkling. But I think the point being that there is some flexibility there on how you deal with that issue. The other thing that I would say is that secondary suites need to be serviced by public water and sewer. However, there are some parts of town where we don't have water or sewer or both. And so in some of those areas, the potential still may exist for you to put a secondary suite in as long as the zoning bylaw has provision to allow private services on the lot and you get uh, approval through the, the local health unit for the septic system. 
Then what do they do? They would just come out and judge whether or not the SEPTA could handle a, a second suite. I think they would be involved in the in the building permit review. If you are filing an application for a building permit with a property that has a septic system, then mm-hmm. they would be part of the sort of circulation body on that just because they're the ones who oversee septic systems on our behalf. Yeah, I can see that makes sense because most people, when they put it in, they make it to handle, you know, let's say a family of four or five or whatever it is. Yep. And then once you add a secondary suite, that can almost double in some situations. Yeah, and they, I mean, I'm not an expert in building code, but my understanding is that sort of the building code design parameters around septic systems is based on the number of fixtures you put in the yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, or on the property. Okay, Brad. Well, I am looking forward to to um, you sharing all of that uh, extra information with us and we'll put that up on the show notes like i said thank you so much for all the insights i know we probably missed a whole bunch of stuff but uh i guess if people have any other questions on really anything regarding zoning in peterborough they can contact you right yeah absolutely yeah and uh, i don't know if you have my contact information on the show notes and whatnot it'll be there but uh, go ahead yeah it's so phone number seven oh five. 742-7777, extension 1886, and email is bappleby, so B-A-P-P-L-E-B-Y, at peterborough.ca. Perfect. Okay, well, thanks again, Brad. I really enjoyed this talk. Oh, well, thank you. Okay, have a great day. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye.